prevent yes. 10 negative one X engineers <laughs> from getting fired. <laughs> don't rock boats. Don't leave a paper trail of failures. Gosh. Vouch for bad engineering. Gosh, the worst, the worst. The no paper trail gets you every time. Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. All right, it's episode 123 of Working Code, and tonight we're going to talk about negative 10x developers. Often mm. talk about best practices. Let's talk about those not-so-best practices. But as always, we're going to start with our triumph and fails. I will pass over to Tim. So I'm going to start out with a fail. Sorry, sorry. So, you know, you get excited. You get a new customer. They sign the con. They love the demo. They love your prototype, and then you're... You start getting the technical conversations after they sign a contract. And then you realize they run all their stuff on WordPress. Gross. <laughs> I'm like, really? WordPress? I mean, you guys are a pretty big company. What, why is everything on WordPress? And you got to create plugins to, to run our stuff. This is crazy. And I was they're 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 asking, I sent them documentation. They, they don't and the company itself's not doing it. They have like some outside firm doing it. And I thought, okay, well, it's an outside firm. Maybe they're, you know, pretty savvy. And so I just started warning them. I said, look, you know, because we're dealing with credit card data, we have to be very PCI compliant. And so there's a limited number of ciphers that we're allowed to use for the for our SSL certificate. So we turn a lot of ciphers that sometimes people just leave on. We turn them off because they're insecure or they're weak. And the, the developer replied, I don't understand anything you just said. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's not good. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, yeah, we just write plugins and 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 put them in WordPress and and, and you know hopefully it connects. I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> I, that's how this this implementation is gonna go. This is gonna be a long oh, one. No, so, so they're doing the credit card payments through their WordPress site and they're creating their own plugin for it, or they yep. have in the past, and now you need to integrate with that Word site that into yeah. my site. Yeah, so so basically they'll take our, we have a little JavaScript widget that you stick on any HTML page okay. and injects our code to take the credit card data and all the code, it's like, kind of like an iframe sort of, goes through our PCI compliant servers. So yeah. they, just gotta, they, just, they just gotta drop that in there. Sure. It's kind of how Stripe does that very similarly. Yep. And so, yeah, they gotta do that. But it's like, anytime I've dealt with people that are working on WordPress, they're, you know, they're like, oh, can you give us your WordPress plug in, which we don't have. I mean, it's not really our target audience, but no. hopefully these guys, they're supposed to be experts at doing WordPress. So hopefully they'll figure it out. But Hey, maybe you'll get a, a WordPress like marketplace app or something from That'd this. Cool. Yeah. That'd be Thank cool. You. So that's me. Now, Adam would normally go next, but he's out. He's on Lame. vacation. Yeah, I, so. I heard he's getting lost in some giant canyon somewhere out west. Ugh. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that big ditch that, out in Utah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, how about you, Ben? I'm going to go with a failure as well. And I had a very petty, emotional day. And I'll caveat this with saying that this is 100% non-logical, emotional, all about me, not about anyone else. And uh, a peer of mine got promoted today and got promoted to a higher level in in the organization than I am. And he... A thousand percent deserves it. He's probably one of the best engineers I've ever worked with. 
just like an all-around superstar. Everybody loves him. Everybody has a huge respect for him. He's super enthusiastic. He's like such a a team lead and just like I wish nothing but great things for him and he totally totally deserved it. But seeing it and seeing him get promoted, I felt like shined a light on all of the differences between us and I have sometimes described him as having all of my strengths and none of my weaknesses. And Aww. so when I see him move up in the organization, it 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 underscores how much my weaknesses hold me back in terms of career growth here at the company. And so I just had a pretty like down in the dumps day thinking about that, but I'm going to get over it. It's, it's, it's just an emotional hurdle and I'll be fine, but it was just kind of a, it was a crummy day. So that's that's just heartbreaking. Like I hate that for you. It, it it's tough because like I don't want to do a lot of comparisons. Like I don't want to just be comparing myself to others all the time. But I we think do. We're human. I mean, we do we at do. times. And yeah. because of where I am in the company and the fact that I work on the legacy stuff and a lot of people don't even understand why we're putting any effort into the legacy stuff, I feel like I'm in a position where I constantly have to explain, not explain, I have to justify the work that I do. Yeah. And to see other people then get promoted it, I don't know. It just, it makes me feel poopy. And, um, yep. yeah. but again, it's in a completely petty emotional way, having nothing to do with anyone else, just to do with me. So. No, I get it. Like with all of this contract work, I've been trying to get kicked off. Right. I feel like every single day I'm validating myself to someone mm-hmm. who has no idea what I do. And it's to non-technical people who need technical help. And trying to get validation, it sucks because when you're on the team that validates you all the time, it's great because you can write some code and they're happy with you. They know what it's doing. But when you're trying to write code and explain it to non-technical people who just want everything to work right and you're trying to be like, well, it's not going to work right because it wasn't done right up front and I can't fix it in three (laughs) hours, you know, like I'm constantly like just struggling to find validation. So. The puppy's giving me a lot of self-love right now. (laughs) Dogs are the best. We don't deserve dogs. (laughs) Hey, Ben, I I mean, I I, I get how you're feeling, but I mean, a life lesson is that comparing ourselves to others is, it's a worthless exercise. In fact, it's a damaging exercise, right? It is. It's it's actually really bad for you. Regardless if you're comparing yourself to someone going, oh, I'm so much better than them. You know, I'm this, this, and this. Or if you're comparing yourself, oh, I'm, you know, this person's so much better than me at this, this, and this. We tend to just take, you know, our best or worst qualities and compare them to the, you know, the opposite on them, right? If if you're depressed, you you, you know, you're taking your your worst qualities and comparing it to their best. And it's pointless. You, You don't know their journey. You know yours, right? You know, mm-hmm. you can list all the reasons why you're where you're, where you're at, right? <laughs> you know your journey. Like, well, you know, I was really comfortable and I really enjoyed working on a legacy platform and I was good at it. And no one else was doing it. So, you know, a hundred reasons you can say why you are where you're at. You don't know those reasons for that person. Right? Right, even, right, if right. even if you're close to them, you don't know their reasons, right? So, Well, it, it's funny because like probably at my darkest moment where I was like really going down an emotional rabbit hole. At one point, I was like, you know what? Maybe I could spend less time judging myself and more time being disappointed in other people. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what I mean is, is, is I oftentimes, I, I, I feel very angsty about letting other people down 
but then I give other people so much more benefit of the doubt. At least I like to think I do. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe some of that benefit could just be taken away and be like, yo, I'm pretty disappointed that this person is not doing the job that I think they should be doing. And then I, and like the only reason I go down that really dark hole is because then like <laughs> I, I can feel less bad about myself. But again, mm. like I said, that, that was at like eight o'clock this morning. So I've had a, all yeah. day to process it and I, I'm feeling much better now. Yeah, well, that's good. Because at the end of the day, the only th- only thing you can control is yourself, right? You can't really control. Yeah, that's all you can do is you can control your actions. So, if you, I if agree. you t- take those feelings and use them for f- fuel to say, you know what, I got to get it better at X, Y, and Z, and that's on me. It has nothing to do with the other guy. I just and I need to get better at these three things. I'm going to start working on that. So, hundred percent. So that's me, Carol. What do you got going on? Well, you guys had failures, and I was going to call mine a failure, but I'm going to call it a triumph just because we can't all be failures, right? (laughs) I ain't got nothing going on. We had some family emergencies happen this week, and I decided that, you know what, it's okay if I don't, like, finish this class that I'm in right now that I can actually work on family things. And today, like, I cleaned the pool because it really needed to get cleaned. But I literally have nothing going on. And I'm happy that I can just sit back and go, I ain't got nothing going on. And that's okay. So no triumphs, no failures. It's just good. You know, the family stuff all worked out. Mom's okay. So, yes, that's me. Yeah, sometimes you just need time like that. I agree. And I'm at the end of it because now everything's ramping up in my life. So I think this is my last free <laughs> week too. So yeah, it's all going to get hectic real soon. When you say last free week, do you mean you have contracting work that's going to start? Yep. Yeah, I oh. actually have work I'm starting on. So I've already started a little bit, a few little things here and there, nothing big, just like Tim mentioned, there are people who have their sites running on WordPress and have no idea how to use them. <laughs> and when they're friends of yours and their company say, hey, can you just teach us how to modify these things? You're like, sure, here's my rate. Give me three hours and I'll show you how to do this yourself. So, you know, little things like that have been fun to work on because it gives me interaction with a whole different set of clientele because they're not looking for me to code something for them. They're just wanting to understand how they get their Instagram posts to show up in their feed. And, you know, I'm like, here's the plugin for it. Here's how you use it. So it's just a little research and then, you know, showing them how to do it and then answering some questions, you know, for a few days if they have any, just because they are friends. Yeah. And then next week, I actually start writing big code for some bigger projects. So excited about that. Yep. I am getting to do TypeScript and React, so I'm super excited about that. I don't have any CF on my plate at the moment, but if CF falls onto my plate, that'll be okay, too. Damn. And I'll play Adam. It should be spelt. Spelt. <laughs> spelt ain't paying me, though, so there you go. React, yeah. React's going to pay the bills. All right, React. <laughs> there, there you go. Anyway. Very cool. That's exciting. Yes. Yeah, so you guys ready to roll into the show? do it sure let's do it so tim you posted in discord about a post you had read about negative 10x developers and you suggested that we talk about this so you want to kick it off and and get it going yeah sure so you know if you heard about you know 10x engineers which they're probably mythical but there there's these entities that when you add them to a team 
they multiple they're a force factor of you know times 10 that everything gets more efficient that they're super efficient the entire team gets better because they're bringing best practices and things like that um you know, whether or not they exist or not i don't know in fact that's the first sentence of this this was from an article or a blog post from someone called taylor town and he says 10x engineers may be mythical but negative 10 x engineers exist oh yeah <laughs> So to become a 10x engineer, you just simply, you know, you and your team have to waste 400 engineering hours per week. (laughs) And then he lists, I don't know how many, there's a whole bunch of strategies here that when you read them, you're like, oh yeah, we kind of do that. Yeah, that's, that's not good. I don't know if we waste the 400 hours, but we we definitely, definitely have this habit. So I I thought it'd be fun if we could kind of, we don't have to go through these one by one, but we just could just you know, randomly pick one out that, that, that resonates with us because sometimes, you know, you can tell people best practices and it's hard to imagine if you're not doing them, how that looks like. But when it's a bad practice, you probably pretty much can imagine exactly what that's like because you've done <laughs> yeah. it at some point. <laughs> so I, I can give you one that I saw in here that stood out. So one of the ones that they call out is hold 10 engineers hostage in a technical discussion. Mm-hmm. What's the worst part is when the discussion is going nowhere for, say, you want to decide if you want to edit your PDFs with Adobe or if you want to, you know, build something yourself. And everyone on the team says, let's just use a product that already works for editing our PDFs. And one person won't give in. So then that one person <laughs> holds everyone hostage to discuss why we should write our own tool to, to handle something that the market's already created. We know nothing about form development when it comes to the big grand scheme of thing, right? Like that's not what our software is intended to do. So why would we ever want to try to build PDF editing like into our own software when we could just plug in something and pay for it? However, we can sit at the table and discuss that for hours on hours on hours and still come up with no solution because one person won't give in. Yo, know, 100%. I, the worst for that is okay. when you get to the end of the meeting as well, and they're like, well, let's go and do some research, and then we'll convene again to review the research. <laughs> You're just like, oh, my God. I'm or researching you, nothing else. Nothing else. We're not doing that. <laughs> or yeah. th- this ties into another one, which is the... Um, Before you jump to that one, I'll, yeah. I'll get on this one. So it, it makes the point that encourage them to pursue elegance over pragmatism, which... You, you get these people with their very entrenched ideas that they, oh, you know, th- this is the most elegant way to do this. You know, are we going to use this library, not that library? Because, it's you know, it's much better. And, you know, at the end of the day, is it going to get done? Right? Yeah. Is it going to get done? you got to be pragmatic. Yeah. yeah. And then make sure that no one has the authority to make decisions. At the end of the day, you know, <laughs> you can have this, you, you, you can, yes, you can have this conversation, technical discussion. But at the end of the day, someone's got to put, you know, be in charge and put their foot down and say, all right, we've talked about this for two hours. We really haven't come to any good decision. I'm just calling it. We're doing X and everyone's yeah. just got to move on and, you know, disagree, but, you know, commit. Oh man. Then what is the saying that you had said before that I fell madly in love with, but clearly didn't fall that in love with it because I forgot it. <laughs> but to like, to commit to something, like, even though you don't really like, like the idea, but once you're sold, you're like, all right, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to put my all into it because I've been heard. And so Tim was saying, uh, disagree and commit, I think is what yep. the, the phrase God. is. No, there was another term you had before. I will remember S- it and post strong- it. I think it's strongly yes, yes. held. Yep, loosely held, 
strong, strong opinions word. loosely held. That's it. Yeah. Although, that makes as, me think of as that. I've said, I have strong <laughs> opinions strongly held. <laughs> but but the other one that I really enjoyed here in the list: add four hundred hours of communication overhead. Mm. Meetings, wreck calendars to inconspicuously waste others' time, write lengthy messages and documents and share as widely as possible, welcome all opinions and aim for engagement. This like <laughs> hits so close to home and I think dovetails with the idea of holding people hostage. Yeah. So we, we, we do this at uh, my place of employ where people will put together these giant documents and circulate them. And I'll open a document, and if it has a ton of stuff in it, I'm I'm just like immediately nope and close it down. I'm like it's already gotten past the point where I feel engaged with the with the process. I, I like to be in that really early like idea formulation. If you've already written down a hundred like a ton of stuff, I, I feel like you already know what you want to do. You don't need my feedback. Yeah, you, you should get feedback in that fledgling. Like I have a seed of an idea. Let's talk it out for a couple minutes and then you just move forward. I don't want to iterate over someone's, you know, magnum opus on how they want to put something together. Yep. Yeah. I think a lot of that is like they do that. It's almost passive aggressive, right? You send this huge document, <laughs> this huge document, like, you know, so we want feedback on this. You know, here's how we're thinking. You know, they're acting like it's, you know, not already decided. Right. But if you spend a week writing, you know, like you said, a magnum opus, they're ready to go with it. You already and, know what you want. Right. Yeah. But what they're what they're really doing is they're covering their butt. So that's yeah. like when, when when things go bad, they're like, "We had your opportunity to give your input, and you didn't say anything. <laughs> so you you're also part of the problem that, that this failed, right? So it's like, oh, just awful. There, there's uh, there's a quote from Mike Tyson, which I'm sure you've heard or some form of it, which is everybody has a plan to like get punched in the mouth. <laughs> or like yeah. the you know the yeah. other the other versions like everyone has a like all what is it no plan survives first contact with the enemy I think enemy, is another yeah. popular variation but that's that's how I always feel when people do all of this work up front is that no matter how deeply you think about something to me it always falls apart or at least becomes highly unstable the moment you start to build it because you you find all these little points and corners mm. of the application yeah exactly yeah. and you're like oh we got to rethink some of this so you got to mm -hmm. just start small and and go from there yep yeah iterative development is like the best thing to do get what you can out and then just iterate on it until you like what you have yep and, and talking about meetings like I, what i've noticed it seems like the bigger the organization a lot of times we have or, you know meetings with other organizations if it's a small smaller company you know, you have maybe one, two people on the Zoom call or, the meet, you know, the Teams call or whatever you're using. But really big organization. I swear that there's a like a biweekly call that I'm on with this really large company. And there's from their side, normally 10, 12 people on the call. And I'm pretty sure only two of them have ever spoken besides, <laughs> besides the initial, hi, my name is, and this is my role. Awesome. And I'm like, what are these people doing on the call? Yeah. If they have no input, what? And they're, I'm pretty sure they're not paying that close attention. Just record the thing and transcript it and send it to them later if there's something yep. they need to know. You're, you're wasting just dollars of dollars of people's time of all these expensive bodies just sitting on a call where they say absolutely nothing, contribute nothing. It's not like they have action items after that they need to go task on, right? This is literally right. just them being there to be in the meeting. That's awful. Yep. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, the people who are talking, they're the only ones who get any action items. 
Oh, yeah. Every, I would be, everyone else, be so mad if I was one of the other people. I don't even remember why, you know, it's like these five people are, are on the call. I don't remember what they do or why they're even interested in talking about it. So yeah. it's ridiculous. Every now and then I'll get on a call with a bunch of people and they're talking about all of the really complicated stuff that they're working on. And I'm sitting there quietly like, am I supposed to be working on this stuff? Because it's <laughs> like no one assigned any of this to me. <laughs> Why am I here again? <laughs> I, know, I feel very out of place all of a sudden. All right, let me pick one. Um, okay. Write worthless documentation. Explain code in private messages. Write wikis that nobody <laughs> uses. <laughs> Oh, that's so real. Like, yeah. A, you're wasting your time writing it, and then it's never going to be maintained. So when that one person does find the documentation that you wrote, it's so out of date that they're going to be lost on what they're trying to accomplish now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, documentation is good, but it's like if if, if it's not anywhere anyone's ever going to be able to see it. Yeah. No. It's interesting because when I write for myself, I, I have a very prose approach. Like I write you know, like I'm talking to someone. But then when I read technical documentation internally and people write like that, I'm like, oh, dude, just keep it bullet points. Like I don't want to, I don't want to know. It's like when you go to the recipe sites and they tell you like, oh, I was walking, you know, yeah. on the oh my God. coast in scroll, Italy. Scroll, and, scroll, yeah, scroll, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, there's so much background information and complexity in some of these documentations. And I think a by, that's a in part a byproduct of the complexity of the services. And some of these services just like way too complicated and have all these state diagrams. I, I don't know. It, if it takes a lot to explain how a service works, I feel like it's doing too much or something or it's comp too complicated. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, I was going to say, I like to create 400 hours of busy work. You know, this is asking team to perform tasks that resembles work, like common examples are presentation diagram, ticket management, just, just pointless rituals. We had gotten really, really good at a previous job about any new implementation that you added to the system. You needed to create a plant UML for it, which is just a diagram of how the whole process works. Which is all fine until you realize not everyone understands how to write the code for plant UML, which is you write it and you store it in your code base, like it's actual code. And if you don't understand how to write it, now that person is having to go learn plant UML to just put a box on a piece of paper when uh, like a Confluence page that just says what it was doing would have been sufficient for what you were trying to accomplish. <laughs> so I'm like, sometimes you don't have to code out the entire process. It's okay to skip the plant UML. Just put it in a Confluence page. It's, it's fine. Don't waste 40 hours trying to learn plant UML to put an arrow to a box. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for the people. I mean, there's, I see some people working jobs where pretty much their only job is to just deal with the ticketing system. Yeah. And I don't I, mean like in a technical way. I mean, just managing tickets, right? It's awful. Mm. That's just it. That, that, I don't, you know, I, I guess if you're a big enough company, you got to do it. But it's like sometimes people get so hung up about where the ticket is and what's, you know, the st status is. And it's like, at the end of the day, is the work getting done? Right. Can we get, you know, it's like, oh, it hasn't gone through this step. Well, maybe not everything needs to go through that step. Well, how do I test this? Well, you know, it, you can't, you know, that's particularly with us. It's like a lot of stuff that we do. It's like, it's not really 
testable, you know, to prove that it's going to work in live, but you have a high degree of confidence it's going sure. to, right? So they're like, well, we need to make sure that, you know, I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, you don't. Well, how's it going to get tested? I tested it. It works. <laughs> uh, you can't do that with everything. I mean, you, you no. need to be doing testing, but it's like some people just, they get so anal-retentive about the flow of the ticket. The ticket's just there to, to drive the work, but when yeah. the whole focus is about, you know, making sure the ticket is nice and clean, that's just, that's, a, that's busy work. Yeah, I th- I think Ben can side with that because I think recently he was trying to just add a new swim lane to the ticketing system and got um, his hand wrapped. <laughs> I still have so they added they added a column on our Kanban board called blocked, and I have like ten tickets in it that are blocked simply because the person who's managing the board doesn't have the right permissions to add a new status. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want to, I have these 10 tickets and I want to cancel them, but I can't move them to cancel because there is no canceled status. And I don't want to delete them because the fact that they're being canceled has yeah. meaning. And do you have, do you have the option to mark them done, but like with a fixed resolution as will not resolve or not an actual problem, which would kind of do the same thing. You know, that's a good question. I'm I'm not sure. I also am only just realizing recently how different everybody's Kanban boards at work are. I thought I thought Jira was like basically all the boards were the same except like different statuses and different swim lanes and stuff, but there's lots of variation. I didn't quite realize how intense I've- it was. I think most companies strive to keep things uniform, but teams like to work independently and like to follow their processes. So things aren't going to always be exactly the same. But typically you would find that most most boards have the same swim lanes, like the same status of what the ticket could be in. But yeah, it would just have different options for like, you know, do you do sprint work or do you not do sprint work? Do you do fix? Do you do releases? Like those type of things would differ. So if your teams have substantially different swim lanes that's interesting because that would mean whenever you try moving to do work for another team you're going to be very confused on your day to (laughs) work life (laughs) you're going to be like where is my block status (laughs) you don't get one on this team we've been using our 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 kind of like one of the parent companies jira instance and they they i mean it works really well for them but doesn't really hasn't really worked well for us because we're typically not answering to customers right we're building a product and it's not like a customer's driving yet so the sprints don't really make sense for us we have stories and things like that so we just just this week actually moved off of their jira onto our own because our team size is so small we're still at the, the free tier so yeah but yeah so we've been working on that this week getting getting that up and running so it's so much better just to be able to not worry about the 10 different statuses we, we got in work ready to test done <laughs> <laughs> well and, and the idea of being in a sprint versus just moving things across the board that's definitely a point of contention for us at work because yep. the managers seem to want sprints so they can plan out into the future i don't know how well that actually mapping yeah yeah and everyone like all the engineers are just like i just want to move stuff across the board like yeah sprints don't mean anything Mm -hmm. when a ticket's done i take the next ticket it doesn't and see i think working in like a kanban style like that where you don't have a sprint where you just work works well 
as long as you keep your backlog groomed and you keep the priorities high and your engineers know to pick up the top things in the backlog versus just picking up whatever they want to go work on. So if product is like, hey, we really need to get this initiative done. So it's number one in the backlog. The engineering team needs to know that the top five items are critical. And once those five are done, then you kind of can keep weeding out what you want to work on. But what we found is if we didn't put things in like a sprint type format, developers would just pick up whatever they wanted to work on. They didn't like the idea of being told, like, pick a priority. They liked, you know, as long as there was like 10 or 15 to choose from, then they were good doing that. So. (laughs) You got one, Ben? I know Carol mentioned this one earlier in in regards to me, but the right pointless tests, it just, it feels (laughs) like it's hit really home for me lately. Because I've been trying to change stuff at work and the slowest part for me seems to be fixing the tests that are breaking for reasons I don't quite understand. And it's not (laughs) that they're catching issues. It's like the tests are just written in a way that makes things hard to delete. And your whole job is to delete stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. My whole job is to delete stuff. I I just have such a love-hate relationship with tests. I in in Really? I've never heard that before. (laughs) Part of me wonders if, hear me out here for a second. (laughs) If if tests are meant to be guardrails against things that break, I almost wonder what would happen if you started out with no tests and then just added tests as things broke. Like a developer goes to change something and and it breaks in production. They're like, okay, that was clearly a confusing thing. Let's write a test for it. Instead of trying to test the universe first, and then let developers feel safe. I almost, I almost feel like it'd be much easier to, to not test anything until the thing has proven itself to need a test. Yeah, but you're you're accepting the fact that it's okay to break in production. I mean, not a, the first everyone's time. Le- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everyone's level of comfort is to that point. Yeah, it all depends on what type of work you're doing for sure as well. Anyway, that's that's what I've been thinking about a little bit there. Well, I like how it says mock function calls until no original code. Oh, gosh, right? (laughs) Like, what's the point of this test anymore? You're literally just mocking that it would always be true. So it's always true. There you go. What was the point of testing that? I I have found a lot of trouble with code coverage tests or, or, sorry, like constraints where you can't deploy your code unless your code has like 80% test coverage or something. Yeah. I don't know. That seems to, that just seems to be a problem. I, I've never seen a team that is really happy with the way that's functioning. Even teams that are really protesting, I feel like they run into a, ugh, I just got to write tests for something that's never going to break so that the code coverage passes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say I did this because, you know, I don't do bad things often, but when, um, so whenever I was working on a TypeScript project, you know, there was no like application, there was no interface that anyone would ever see. So I had some console logs that I would write out into the CloudWatch log so that I would get a little bit more information in the log than having to dig through my admin side because (laughs) I didn't have access to that in production. But what I did have access to was the CloudWatch logs. So I'm like, oh, I'll just throw a little console log here. Well, in order to get test coverage on all of that, I ultimately was just like, Jess uh, found a way that I could make sure that it returned back a console log message so that it always had 100% <laughs> test coverage. It thought the whole function was covered because enough of it was to get to it. And I was like, well, 
Okay. <laughs> it's deployable. All right. Here is my, here's, this is my absolute favorite one. All right. Yeah. So creating useless tools. So decide that existing solutions are quite what you need and then write scripts that only one person understands. If the script is something important, avoid documentation. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a little, got a little handy dandy gadget tool that, you know, something goes wrong. You can just run this real quick and it fixes everything. Yeah. Keep that completely secret. And then that way you're the only person who can run it. So that way you can be the hero. <laughs> but if you're out, if you're out, no one knows how to do it because, you know, there's no documentation. They don't even know about the script. It's in some special folder on your local hard drive. Yep. Been there. Or what's even better is you have to share that folder with someone when you decide to leave the company. And you're like, yep. hey, I put all this in the Google Drive for you. You can figure it out. <laughs> Here's my secret Swiss Army knife to fix stuff when it hits the fan. We had a database guy at work a couple of years ago. And he had wired up some metrics coming out of the database and putting them on some data dog dashboards for me so that I could see things like how many slow queries were running per minute or, or like, you know, read reads and updates and delete operations, that kind of stuff. And he left the company and like a year later, all of a sudden my stats stopped working. So I went to the data services team and I was like, Hey, uh, my dashboard broke. I don't know what happened on your end. I don't know if something's wrong with the database. And they had just been cleaning up some old EC2 instances that they thought no one was using. And apparently the guy who had set it up for me did some like totally custom script that just ran on an EC2 instance that nobody <laughs> else knew about. And so when they were like, oh, no one's touched this computer in a year, it must not be in use. They deleted it. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, come back. <laughs> That's that's my favorite. The infrastructure team, they're like, we don't really know. Is anyone using this? And they ask around. No one remembers. And they're like, let's just turn it off and see who yells. Yeah. Yeah. The scream test. I've been I've used <laughs> yeah. the term scream test like every other day at work for the last couple of weeks because we're in this. That's a good one. Yeah, it's great. We're in this huge cost cutting initiative, and there's a lot of caution around turning things off because nobody knows what anything's really being used for. And I'm like, just turn it off. Just do it. What's the worst? Sound like happen? Elon Musk. That's that, that's what Elon did when he took over <laughs> exactly. Twitter. He's like, just, just shut these services down. We don't. Yeah. We don't need them. We don't need them. Fire everyone who works on that team. <laughs> no more food for you. So I don't see this one on here, but one thing that we've seen before is tiger teams. So like whenever yeah. you pull everyone together and you're like, we want the best of the best to work on just this initiative, and you can't ask them questions, and all they're going to do is work on this one project. They get nothing done on the project, by the way, because you can't fix everything all at once with one team. Plus, these people are probably so strong-headed that they're not going to work well together anyways because they're going <laughs> to all have their own reason for why they did it wrong in the first place because they probably were the ones that wrote it originally. And they're going to spend more time defending their original actions than fixing the problem. And then you come off this Tiger team with nothing really solved only to find your teams are so far behind that you can't get out of this hole either. So tiger teams are a terrible thing to you. Yeah. I, I think it kind of, it's similar to trap 10 engineers in a feudal skunk works project. <laughs> oh yeah. That would be it. <laughs> yeah. So get the bright engineers, waste their potential, undersell the difficulty of the project to management, oversell the project's usefulness, and then tell the management it's almost complete until they scrap it. <laughs> there you go. It, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> One of the things that we had some issues with at work is the product team would have an idea for a feature that they want to build 
And then they would get an engineering team to come up with a super detailed estimate of how long it would take and like why it would take so long. And it would take the engineering team like days to do the research and come up with the stuff only for the product team to turn around and be like, no, that's going to take too long. We're not going to do it. And they're (laughs) like, we just wasted so many developer hours trying to come up with a, with an idea just so that you guys could shoot it down. And they were like, we don't want to do estimates for you anymore. It's very painful and you don't seem to appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I've worked in a place before where we started charging the customers for estimates because they would turn down so many. And we're like, okay, well, if you're not going to keep paying for these, then going forward, you're going to pay up front for us to do the estimate because you turned down so many. So make sure the work you want us to estimate for you is work you really actually want. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, someone's got some crazy hair braid idea. You're like, hey, could we do that? Oh, no, let's ask. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't cost us anything. Yeah, it's free to ask the question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 12 hours later. Yeah. Well, I, I think another thing that could be on this list is to never push back against product ideas. I, I can't tell you how many engineers will just go super deep on something because a product person asked them to do it. And the product people have no idea necessarily how things get implemented technically. So they don't have a, 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 a system of measure for the harebrainedness of their idea. And the engineer has to learn how to push back and be like, whoa, are you sure? That's super complicated. Do you understand yeah. how, how much work that's going to be? Yeah. It sounds so easy up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about a product like Twitter, it's like super easy, but yet to be able to scale, not easy. No. <laughs> the, the, the very last one at the bottom, really just this one hits me where I live. Incur 400 hours of bug triage. So make undebuggable programs. <laughs> and let's, let's be clear, early cold fusion style of writing where you have like a bunch of, you know, CF sets and some queries at the top and then a whole bunch of, you know, output code and some loops in there at the bottom. Good luck, buddy. I mean, I mean the only way you debug that is like you just hit F5 and start changing stuff until it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? It doesn't throw any more CF errors. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, write spaghetti code, make everything sensitive to initial conditions. Yeah. Avoid pure functions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was early, C, you know, five tag CFML. Use dependencies liberally and say it works on my <laughs> machine whenever possible. The old, it works on my machine. Oh my God. Yeah. I heard, I've heard that so many times in my career. Yeah. I don't know. It works on my machine. Yeah. My code's good. <laughs> when we first started working on our product a decade ago, we were on a really early version of Framework One, which is a Cold Fusion framework. And part of it is mm-hmm. a DI One. A spa. Yeah. Part of it is Dependency Injection One, which is just a, an inversion of control framework. And the version that we started with, you couldn't have circular dependencies. Like you couldn't have component A require component B, but then component B also require component A. And then a version of DI1 came out that fixed that because it, it delays all the stuff and you can wire things together. And I remember at the time, I'm like, that seems like a really bad idea. Like we've had this constraint where you can't have things in circular dependencies and and they quote unquote fixed that. And now we're leveraging that feature. I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like you're having something is missing there that should be orchestrating calls between those two things. It, having calls go back and forth, back and forth. That's very Does hard to wrap healthy. your head around. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure Sean will weigh in on that. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. 
I just see so many of these. Yeah. Yeah. These really ring true. Yeah. Hire 10 zero X engineers. (laughs) (laughs) Just dead weights. (laughs) (laughs) They're just taking up space. They don't, they don't do anything. I mean, that can be said for leaving on the people too, right? Like how many times have you worked with Deb Waite who no one would take the time to fire? Like it was easy Mm -hmm. to just push them to the side and hope that you make them mad enough that they leave instead of just taking on the ownership and being like, you suck, get out of here. We're going to find someone that doesn't. That's that's the next and last one. Prevent 10 negative 1X engineers from getting fired. (laughs) (laughs) Don't rock boats. Don't leave a paper trail of failures. Vouch for bad engineering. Gosh, the worst. The worst. The no paper trail gets you every time. Yeah, just just hope they leave. This is a really good post. I'm really glad that it was written. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's easier to visualize these. Now, the opposite is how do you, how do you do better? Don't do these things first. Stop doing, stop doing this. Yeah. When you see yourself doing it, call yourself out on it and and say, all right, what should I be doing instead? Call your team out too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do we cover them all basically? Yeah, I think so. The link will be in the show notes. Yeah. I want you to go check it out. If you can't read the show note, it's taylor.town slash negative 10 X. So yep. you should be able to Thanks, find Taylor. it. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. All right. So uh, this episode of Working Code is brought to you by No Jokes because Adam's on vacation, you guys, and <laughs> listeners like you. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to make sure we can keep putting whatever this is out into the universe, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreons help cover our recording costs and editing costs, and we couldn't do it every week without them. Special thanks to Monty and Giancarlo. And this week, we actually have a new Patreon, too. Oh, man. I really hope I don't get your name wrong, but it's MREJ. I'm going to go with Merge. So, maybe. Heck, yeah. Welcome to the party. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for supporting us. We appreciate it. And for your homework this week, why don't you send us your topics or questions? You can find us at Working Code Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also head over to workingcode.dev slash discord and reach out there. Or you can email us at workingcodepod at gmail.com. So that's it for this week. We'll catch you next week. Until then. Remember, your heart matters. Unless you're a negative 10x developer, <laughs> your heart is dark and useless. (laughs) You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.